0: I should start by saying it has been far, far too long. Oh, I wish that I could produce Patreon content, honestly, for all of our tiers, and I wish that I could be consistently giving the patrons within those tiers fresh material all the time. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're always shifting our focus between the main feed and the Patreon feed. There's only so much time in the day. But you know, even with that, even with that said, I I I must say to you, three dollar a month patrons, it has been too long. You deserve a brand new series unto unto this tier unto itself. That's what this tier deserves, and that's what we're here to do. This is the very first episode of of I was gonna say in. It's of. This is the very first episode of TV. VIP. It feels so good to say that here within the show itself. We've been, oh, we've been plugging it for a while. We've been talking it up, haven't we? But now we're here. We are here. My name is Jonathan Pernisek. Uh, it would be easy for me to say I am the TV VIP. You know, I'm the radio boy. I'm the musical man, of course. But I like to think that the listeners of this show, I like to think that they are Are the TV VIPs in question? I'm blowing smoke up your ass because you deserve it. Ah, you deserve that. Oh, that delicious smoke right up your ass. (laughs) TV VIP. What is it? It's a show dedicated to TV musical shows. Musical TV shows shows that air on television or, or in this day and age, really streaming platforms that are musicals, okay, dedicated. They are dedicated to the musical genre and a lot of people, a few people have consistently asked me over the years, are you going to talk about Schmigadoon? Are you going to talk about Central Park? You know, there are all of these musical TV shows, but we didn't have a platform necessarily to discuss them until now. So I want you to consider that in the past, we have we have produced a series all about the High School Musical franchise. That was within this tier, right? Wildcats everywhere. And we produced a one-off special about Julie and the Phantoms, the one and only season of that show. So really, the $3 a month tier has become a home for television coverage. TV VIP would not, it cannot exist in any other tier. No, that would be wrong. It needs to sit alongside Wildcats Everywhere and Julie and the Phantoms because we've curated a nice little home, and I I love that. I'm here to say that I'm very excited because I'm excited for this show. We are going to be releasing 12 episodes of TV VIP on a bi-weekly basis. So you're going to be getting a lot of fabulous television coverage. I'm also excited because I have, oh, I have a co-host and he's right here. He's snuggling up next to me. Oh, his nose is in my ear. And now he's, he's crawling up on top of my head, and he's pecking at me like a chicken. <laughs> but he's not a chicken. He's a tanuki. Uh, this is a little tanuki friend named Video. He's on my shoulder now like a parrot. <laughs> This is a tanuki friend I made while I I was recently revisiting the greenhouse which is the the space that I would visit for the purposes of the Turn It Off series if if you have ever explored the $10 a month tier you will remember our show about off-Broadway musicals uh, we always we, we we how should I put this we recorded that show within a beautiful greenhouse space that was inhabited by tanukis that's where the phantom of the opera lives now and I, I was revisiting that space because I missed my Tanuki friends. And there was this little guy, this little creature named Video. And I, I was, oh, I was taken by him. And we got to talking. And I said, I want to make a show about musical TV programs. And he, oh, he got so excited. Yes, he's bouncing up and down as I, as I talk about this. Right, Video? Yeah. He was excited himself because he loves television. And in preparation for the, well, we, I should say we decided to team up. And in preparation for this first recording he has brought to me a brand new invention. Video is a genius. He is a genius when it comes to electronics and he has created a magical, I, I'm going to describe it as magical even though I know it is based in science, STEM, technology, yes of course, but I like to say that it is a magical remote because when video presses the button on this remote it's going to take us into the worlds of the TV shows we choose to discuss and that that is no small thing. Now, uh, how do I how do I describe this? How do I explain this? It's a lot like how Gex, the video game character Gex. If, if you remember Gex, let me say it again, Gex. You know how in in the the video games starring Gex, he would be sent to the media dimension by the evil, oh, his arch enemy, his, his enemy, Rex. Oh, Rex would send Gex. Rex would send Gex to the media dimension. You know what I'm talking about. Or if you don't, hey, do you remember the, the video game Garfield caught in the act? Remember how that was about Garfield being sucked into a, into a TV realm by the evil? Oh, his arch enemy, uh, the evil glitch. That's what happened to Garfield in Garfield caught in the act. Well that's sort of what's going to happen with us, right Video? But Video wants wants to be clear. Yeah, he's yes, he he's not evil. No, no, no. We love Video. Video he's our friend. Video is great. He loves TV and he's he's always dreamed of visiting the worlds of his favorite TV shows. That dream becomes a reality today, right Video? Yeah, yeah. So we are going to go into the world of Schmigadoon this week. That is the subject of our first episode of TV VIP, of course. So, video, if you're ready, I'm ready to go into the TV. We're going to get sucked into the TV along with all of our TV VIPs. It might be a little disorienting at first. I've, I've, I've done the trip a few times now just to get my... My sea legs, as as it were, as they were. So you you might experience some disorientation, but I think once we land in the world of Schmigadoon, you'll find that you'll be you'll be okay. You'll get your sea legs too. Okay, video, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. On the count of three, you you press that big red button on that magical remote. Okay. Three. No, wait, video. What do you think? Should I go? One, two, three. And then on three, you press the the, the button. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes, all right. Video on three. One, two, three. Whoa. (laughs) Oh my goodness. My goodness gracious. Video, here we are. Oh, this is wonderful. Yes, we are. Well, this is not Schmigadoon proper. We're not in the town. It seems, video, that we have landed in the forest that surrounds Schmigadoon. It's actually kind of atmospheric and spookier than I would have imagined. But what sort of makes it nice, what sort of makes it more... uh, tangible, but also more comforting in a way, is the fact that it seems, yes, okay, yes, everything seems to be made of (laughs) papier-mâché. The the trees are nice and crunchy. The trees are very, very tall. I can barely see the green of the trees because this, this forest, this woodland area, is sort of consumed by a rolling fog, but there's lots of nice rose bushes and flowers. Ooh, I can sit. You know what, I'm gonna sit right here on this papier-mâché mushroom, this big gigantic-ass mushroom. Oh, and I'm just gonna catch my breath here. I-, I said that I was used to that dimension journey of ours video, but my goodness. Oh, wh- what's that video? Oh, oh, okay. Video is just, I'm sorry, he's he's walked off. He's behind a rock. Oh, okay, so video has dragged out a bunch of hiking equipment for us. Oh, this is nice. Backpacks, and he's putting a, oh, he's putting a little uh, floppy hat on my head in case it rains. Thank you, video. And oh, he's got a little floppy hat himself. And a little backpack on his little tanuki back. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so I can't stay on this mushroom. We gotta, we gotta start walking, huh? Uh huh. Okay, all right. Video, you lead the way. You lead the way, my little friend. As we, even the dirt is crunchy. <laughs> The dirt is papier-mâché, but this is very nice. I'm sure you can, if you can hear the uh, the nice birds, the papier-mâché birds are calling. It's a little, yeah. So it's a combination of spooky, uh, uh, but only slightly. I do feel at peace here. I don't mean to make it seem as if it's a scary fucked up forest that we've somehow landed in. If it's okay, video, you're leading the way on the hike, right? Okay, yes. Uh, I'm going to go into some show facts, literal TV show facts regarding Schmigadoon. Is that okay, video? All right, thank you very much. So the season one premiere date for Schmigadoon was June 16th, 2021, via Apple TV+. The creators of the show are Ken Dario and Cinco Paul, and all of the original songs were written by Cinco Paul. The show stars Keegan-Michael Key, Cecily Strong, Dove Cameron, Jamie Camille, Kristen Chenoweth, Alan Cumming, Ariana DeBose, Han Harada, Jane Krakowski, Martin Short, Aaron Tveit, Fred Armisen, Kevin McNulty, and Liam Quiring nikindi Okay, so here's what I did. I watched the first season of Schmigadoon. We did not have Apple TV Plus uh, leading into this, but we have it now. We have for at least uh, a couple of months, uh, considering our next subject. Uh, Spoiler alert, our next subject for TV VIP is Central Park, which is another Apple TV uh, show, okay? So I watched the first season of Schmigadoon. I know the second season is coming out very soon, and I do plan on watching that as well as those episodes roll out. So as we continue with our TV journey, I will I will circle back to Schmigadoon, and I will let you know how that second season is treating me. But season one is where we are. That, that's where we're putting our focus here, right? So as I watched these episodes over the last week, I was taking handwritten notes. Uh, who am I? Oh, this is so organic. So this is very old-fashioned. It's like I'm on the Oregon Trail. I was keeping a journal, okay? So I'm going to provide to you all of the observations I wrote down as I was as I was thinking them up, as I was experiencing these emotions. That is how I will present them to you. I just plucked something out of my ear that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is this, I, I don't know if the, the fog is somehow creating, ooh, uh, so something's happening to my body. No, it's just, it's what's in my ear. Ugh. Okay, you don't want to hear about that. You're paying good money. You want to hear my thoughts on all six episodes of Season 1 of Schmigadoon. So I don't want to put this off any further. Video, don't go too fast, okay? Oh, oh, yes, okay, thank you. Walk right next to me. <laughs> yes, I give you a little scritch on your head. It's okay if I talk about Episode 1, which is called a Schmigadoon. Is that okay, Video? Uh-huh. Okay, yes. You, Video, be sure to watch out for any, like... Papi and Mache rocks in, in this hiking trail of ours. I don't want to trip, okay? I don't want to fall on my face while I'm recording this episode, okay? Video, I trust you. Let's talk about episode one, Schmigadoon. I will say this right up top. I had, I don't think I had ever experienced the Apple TV Plus logo. Of course, I'm familiar with. Oh, let's say the Netflix logo. Da-dum. Yeah, I, I know the Netflix logo. I know the HBO Max logo, I guess. Dun-dun-dun. Whatever that is. I know Free V. The Free V logo is very fun to me. I like the Free V. The Apple TV Plus logo, that's a little bit too ominous for my taste. There's a sort of a. <laughs> it's. It's, it's as if something terrible is coming our way. Oh, no. No, thank you. And also, hey, Apple, I do not need you to show me a teaser trailer for the show I am about to watch. I elected to watch Schmigadoon of my own will. My own free will led me here. You don't have to sell me with a teaser. I skipped that. Oh, my gosh. Excuse me, by the way. The pilot, the first episode is directed by Barry Sonnenfeld? Of the Adams Family films, the, the Men in Black trilogy, I had no idea. He does a very good job, I should say. I did not notice, I, I want to say that he did direct all six episodes. Uh, I could be wrong in that. I don't think I am, but at the very least, I know that I'm right when I say that he directed episode one. We are putting in the work, I appreciate it, in this first episode right up top. We're putting in the work, the groundwork, I should say, when it comes to this relationship montage. Our characters, our main characters, are played by Keegan, Michael Key, and Cecily Strong. That's Josh and Melissa. They're in a relationship, oh, the highs, the lows. We are relaying a lot in a very short amount of time, and it's very effective. Josh, uh, as played by Keegan-Michael Key, is a jackass. There's a moment in this montage when he chooses to... He chooses to stay in bed. I want to remain in bed, but I will place a pillow over my head, is what Josh says, because my girlfriend, Melissa, Cecily Strong, she's watching Singing in the Rain, and I can't sleep. I'll put the pillow over my head. Here's an idea. You're both doctors. These characters are fucking doctors. Do you not have another room in this apartment where you can go to goddamn sleep? You big jerk. You don't have options. As you will find, I did not find Josh to be very likable overall. They do a lot more work to make you hate Josh than they do for Melissa. We're supposed to think that both of these characters have issues, but frankly, I think Josh is, uh, <laughs> he's the big culprit in this relationship. He's the one that needs to go to love jail. I couldn't take any notes during the first number of the series, which is, of course, Schmigatoon, because I couldn't. I was far too enchanted by the costumes, the sets, the choreography, etc. The etc. is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. I loved that opening number. The design of the town makes it seem very artificial. It seems like we are, yes, very much in a set, sort of like a Williamsburg reconstruction of a musical theater town, but it feels lived in. I completely bought that all of the buildings that we saw, those structures, had interior life to them, had people, you know, bouncing in and out and around them, unlike the town in as a of comparison unlike the town in dolly parton's christmas on the square which seemed to take place underground that town seemed to be in an underground bunker under area 51 or something credit where it's due when it comes to schmigadoon bianca bergeron is our set designer again Bianca, great work on your part. Aaron Tevate, is it Tivet? Tveit, I never remember reprise, reprise. He is in long crotch pants. And I I gotta say, I'm not normally into the idea of long crotch pants on a man, but, oh, long crotch pants on Aaron Tveit, Tveit. Yes, please, my God, show me every inch of that crotch, that long ass crotch behind those long crotch pants. Kristen Chenoweth, meanwhile, she's rocking a dark red li- I could not take my eyes off of the lips of a lot of these actresses, the actress who plays Betsy, whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head, but Kristen Chenoweth, oh, the dark red lip, I could not take my eyes off of it, my eyes, fact, Kristen Chenoweth has never done a Dr. Seuss project? I don't think I don't I don't know if she's done a cartoon maybe maybe she's done a cartoon at a certain point but she needs to be I feel in a live-action Dr. Seuss film we haven't done those in a while we stopped doing those but I think that she would be perfect for a Seuss project the fact that I can't come up with any is madness madness again maybe she did a cartoon I don't know. The instrumental score that beefs up the scene work, the non... uh, I'm not talking about the songs. I'm talking about the instrumental score by Christopher Willis. That is sump. It is sump. It's a new word that I'm trying to make. Sump is short for sump-chew-us. It is sump. That's what it is. The score, Christopher, your score is sump. Cecily Strong is putting her uh, <laughs> her SNL, her Saturday Night Live skills, to fine use here. You're either, I mean, let's face it, if you're on SNL, you're either the wacky character or the normal schmo reacting to the wacky character. And in this instance, Cecily has to be the normal schmo. She's very good at it. I mean, that, that's SNL to a T, right? <laughs> There's only two types of characters that you could play, and and I I appreciate that that she is bringing that skill set to Schmigadoon. The elephantine boy head, the enormous boy head at the Tunnel of Love attraction, is radiating Big Eye's energy. That child was plucked right out of the Burton sketchbook. It doesn't really fit in with the aesthetic of the town. We don't really see anything that strange outside of that one example, but I I still found it to be compelling, certainly. As we wrap up episode one, I want to talk about Martin Short as a leprechaun. I can't believe that this is the only moment he appears in the entire season. How much did he get paid? How long did it take to get him into that leprechaun makeup? I don't know. I hope he was paid a hefty sum because I, I don't know. Uh, maybe he did it for free because I like to think that this is the role he was born to play a leprechaun destiny. Kismet is what I say. <laughs> I would vote for... Okay, as we move into episode two, I would vote for fewer... Is that even a thing? That that style of joke? I, w- I could do with fewer jokes in that vein in, in for future episodes. Is that even a thing? What are you talking about? Huh? Why are you... Huh? Like... <laughs> At a certain point, you can get a few, you can pop off a few of those. But at a certain point, we need to maybe uh, go in a different direction, find a, a new mine of comedy that we can dig into. Episode two is known as "Lovers' Spat." Oh, okay. Oh, all right. There's a little poppy Mache bird that is on my wrist, and it just pooped a small dry ball of pepia Mache bird poop, and the uh, the bird has flown away. I guess I will just. Uh, okay, well that's very easy to clean off because again it was a little paper ball of bird poop that was very strange. Okay, episode two, lovers' spat. The lovers' spat number includes some old-fashioned finger wagging, finger wagging choreography. Yes, that's what I want to do. I want to. I want to direct a show. I don't care what it is. It could be the most modern, <laughs> the most modern, hip, cool show in the world. But we are gonna do some finger wagging. That's what I'm doing. Imagine both of my fingers. Wagging at you. The twinks in this town. The twinks in this town. They just came off of the factory assembly line. They are made out of oh porcelain. Pure skin. That no blemishes. These twinks, what are they made out of? What are they eating? I wanna I wanna be I wanna be one of them. I wanna be one of them, I wanna wear a straw hat, and I wanna be pretty. I think that I'm pretty. I think that I'm pretty enough, but these twinks are intimidating, my God. More than ever before, I am convinced, I, when I watched these twinks, that I was born to be a mover, not a dancer. I think I'm a really good mover, but at a certain point, the skill set gets a little bit too big for me, and my britches can't hold all those skills, okay? I can't, I'm not a dancer. It's fine. I, I accept that. I know that we are in the artificial forest right now, but I, I just want you to know that when I saw that forest for the first time in this episode, my immediate instinct was, okay, could someone just pick me up and take me to this forest? Because I feel like I need I need a third location or something. A nature location. I need to be in nature. That's what I think is really calling to me here. I want to be in a glen, in a valley, in some sort of, you know, specific yeah the poster that they would show you in in your in your schoolroom they would show you the peninsula the volcano the the valley the gullet. That's a thing. I just want to be in a forest. That sounds so nice right now. Alan Cumming. Oh, Alan Cumming. He's perfectly coiffed as the mayor. He's cute as a button. But his performances, you ever notice this? (laughs) You ever notice the fact that Alan Cumming always sort of oozes menace? There's always a tinge, at least, of menace when it comes to his performances, even when his characters don't call for it. My reservations evaporated over the course of the season. I did come to accept that the mayor is a teddy bear, and Alan Cumming is very good at expressing those qualities. So I, th- those reservations fell away, but right here at the very top of the of the season, I was a little concerned. I wasn't sure if he was really able to play a purely nice, good-hearted character. The Mayor's song, Somewhere Love Is Waiting For You, brings to mind More I Cannot Wish You from Guys and Dolls. And I, I gotta tell you, I had a hell of a time remembering who sings that song, the character, their name, But it's Arvide, okay? I had to look it up. I'm embarrassed. Arvide Abernathy, of course. Ah, the colors in this show. It's like a technicolor. It's it's so, the colors pop as if we're watching The Wizard of Oz all the way back in 1939. Costume designer Tish Monaghan, cinematographer John Joffin, I doff my hat in the face of your work because the reds especially, Betsy's reds, the red ribbons in her pigtails, the red lipstick that she sports, my god, those colors pop so hard, they are electric, they have life, I was hypnotized by them. Carson, who is Schmigadoon's resident Winthrop, he's the lisping kid that shows up several times in these first two episodes. He's a delight. Again, that actor's name is Liam Quaring-Nikendi. Uh, very good, very funny kid. Ariana DeBose song win. That's what I wrote down around this time. Ariana DeBose song "When." Cecily Strong's character, Melissa, she makes a reference to $20 buying a medium pizza. And when she said that, I wrote down, you know what I want now? A medium pizza. And I think she's right. I think $20 can buy a medium pizza. I think the next day, Chris and I actually got pizza here in Minneapolis. We went to Pizza Luce, okay, the downtown Pizza Luce location. So if you're ever in Minneapolis and you're looking for a nice pizza place, may I recommend Pizza Luce? I had the baked potato pizza. That's one of their specialties. I know that we're talking about television right now, but it was a very tasty, ooh, very uh, rich, starchy pizza, (laughs) As you can imagine, there was red mashed potatoes all over that fucking thing. Now, have I heard Cecily Strong speak this much in any project that she has been in? No. I, I remember her in Ghostbusters twenty sixteen. She barely had a part in that. I feel like this is really her biggest turn at bat, and I think she's doing a great job. I really do. I actually think that she definitely beats out Keegan Michael Key when it comes to conveying real emotion, true, you know, true emotions. That I, I think Cecily really has that within her. She's able to tap into that. Keegan, there's a, bit, uh, there's a bit of a wall there. I think the comedian wall is sort of separating him from those, uh, those really true moments. But he's, he's very good in his own way still. I'm not trying to say he's a hack or anything. And you know, he never works. He never appears in film or TV. So it's rare for us to see him. We should be celebrating this very rare appearance by Keegan-Michael Key. I'm being sarcastic. I would pay good money for the opportunity to have Kristen Chenoweth stare at me in the way she stares at people in this show. I want her to never blink, and I want a poisonous string of accusations to pour out of her mouth. $200, is that an insult to Kristen Chenoweth? I would pay $200 to experience that. I would. Enjoy the ride. That's the song that Cecily Strong and Aaron Tveit sing, and I only bring it up because they- during the dance break we actually get I know that season two is all about Fosse right Fosse is a huge influence for Schmicago, the second season of Schmigadoon but there's a very early reference to Fosse here we're getting damn Yankees pajama game early Fosse choreography and we know that that's what they're going for because at one point they just go boink boink <laughs> they sort of they sort of shutter their arms up and down <laughs> And they don't say oink. They do not say oink oink. They say boink boink. And I really liked that. It's a it's a nice harbinger of things to come. A hint as to what's to come. I think harbinger is a scary word. Betsy's hair and makeup designs are Susian. They are Huwillian. <laughs> if you thought that I was only gonna make one reference to uh, to Dr. Seuss, you're wrong. You know what? I think that we I think that we need to do the work of actually confirming who plays Betsy. I believe that is Dove Cameron. I'm gonna make sure right now I still have my phone here, so I'm gonna type. If you can hear me typing, I apologize. Yeah, Dove Cameron, of course. Doug, Doug! <laughs> <laughs> no, not Doug. Dove Cameron, you're doing an amazing job in this role. Very funny, so committed. Really, really great. And on the subject of Betsy, I love, I love Dove Cameron's delivery of <laughs> that joke about. Oh, and there's the tree my father planted when I was born. I, I got to tell you, the delivery and the gag itself hit me like a sock filled with coins. That really took me by surprise. I like, I like to have a good bark laugh, and I think that got a, a, a nice little. <laughs> <laughs> a bark of surprise out of me. And wrapping this episode up, sure, enjoy the ride. That song sounds a lot like If I Were a Bell from Guys and Dolls. But they it's cold outside is quite obviously another influence. Yes, yes, yes. I haven't read any interviews with the songwriter. I, I don't know if that actually is true, but... <laughs> That's definitely in there. Episode 3 is known as Cross That Bridge. This episode was consumed along with a healthy serving of ginger snaps and milk. Had I been crying prior to the, the screening of this episode because of our recent move to Minneapolis? Was I missing our friends back at Chicago? Yes, but I gotta tell you this right now the ginger snaps and the milk and Schmigadoon helped. I am grateful for them, and of course, my wonderful, beautiful husband, Chris, who he put those ginger snaps in front of me. He knew just what I needed. Josh is an asshole. He leaves Melissa hanging on the dance floor in the flashback that opens this episode. God damn it, fuck you. You're gonna leave your girlfriend out there while everybody else is dancing with their significant others? Because you're in imbe- This character, they, they do too much to make him too much of an asshole, I would argue. Aaron Tveit in a tank top. I'm not gonna argue with that. Aaron Tveit in a tank top. Aaron Tveit in a tank top. My God. If you told me Betsy's wig was actually cake, I would believe you and try to bite it. Cake nuts, what about just like spun sugar? It looks like the topping on a cake. Some sort of, yeah, spun sugar, edible topping that you would place on top of a big ass cake. I wanna bite it. The Mothers Against the Future. Kristen Chenoweth plays a very conservative lady who has a little group of conservative ladies. They are at her beck and call and they, they refer to themselves as the Mothers Against the Future. And I gotta say, that would be a fabulous name for a punk band. Yes, I would go see the Mothers Against the Future, they would spit on me. I would be in the front row, they would spit on me, and I would welcome it. Regarding the mayor's sexuality, okay, this is actually a point of contention for me. The, the mayor is gay, he's closeted, I don't think we're playing on musical theater tropes here. I think we're really just indulging in a very tired, uh, this desire to just make very tired gay jokes. You know, ho, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The mayor, he owns little Greek statues of naked men and they're fucking each other. You know, they're they're pulling a human centipede. These little Greek statues. Uh, yeah, get it? He's gay. There's like a big oil painting of him in a big gay outfit. And his wife, played by Anne Harada, she, she doesn't get it. She She refers to him as queer. He refers to himself as gay. But, you know, queer means odd. Gay means happy. It's for fuck's sake, especially the whole thing of like, uh, Mr. Mayor, are you gay? Well, I like to think that I'm very gay. Yes, very happy indeed. How many times have we made that observation? Well, you know, back in the day, they said gay in a, in a different way. It meant happy. I know that. I fucking know that. We've all, come on now, we've all made that fucking joke and these little visual gags with the Greek statues and the the oil painting. It's very boring. I'm not offended, but I am bored. Jokes about queer people being in the closet are not written by or for queer people. Now, for all I know, I'm sure that queer people worked on the scripts for this show, but these jokes themselves, I don't think they play to queer people. I don't think that they do. I think that they play to straight people, boring straight people, who like to laugh at gay people, but not in a mean way. Not in a mean way. You know, gay people are just silly. I, th- I like to think I'm silly myself. Straight people are silly, too. We've, you know, we've... We've got our stereotypes! Okay, enough, I'm gonna move on. The older character actress who is singing her ass off throughout the number cross that bridge. Ha, huh, I don't know, I uh, she's making a statement and a name for herself. I do not know her name. I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. But you are great, you are fantastic. I was, oh my God. Josh is trying to cross this bridge with all of the women in the town and he says to Melissa, I wasn't trying to abandon you. I, I wasn't trying to abandon you. No, you absolutely definitely were trying to abandon Melissa. You thought that you were gonna go back to New York City. You thought that you were, you never even fucking thought about Melissa. How dare you say otherwise? When it comes to the subject of Fred Los Espookis Armisen, I, w- I would say that I don't think he gets enough to do in this first season. I hope that they beef up his his responsibilities. I hope they give him something. I don't even know if he has a fu- No, he definitely does not have a full song in this season. So, I would challenge them to give Fred Armisen a song in season two. Okay? I think he's good here. I just don't think that they're really taking advantage of his presence area. Depos song. Soon? Huh? When? Soon? Angela Bassett did the thing. Huh? I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> if you're not still thinking about that, you, we're not the same. You and I are not the same. That's always vaguely in my periphery. <laughs> Angela Bassett did the thing. Doc Lopez, played by Jamie Camille, should elicit a ye honk from Melissa. When she sees him, she says ye honk. It's only appropriate. He's a big hunk slab of a man. He's a big candy bar slab. Yum. I want to bite into it. I want to get a sugar rush. Yum, yum. Episode 4, suddenly, suddenly, wait, oh, so, so sorry, before, no, 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 (laughs) Tanuki, Tanuki video, video the Tanuki, what are you doing, he crawled up, he used his claws to climb up my body. (laughs) And he has a flower in his mouth. Well, thank you very much. I take that from you. Oh, he's kissing me on the nose. Okay. Oh, I have to keep talking about the show now, Video. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay. All right. You keep leading the way. I can see the town, actually. I, I could just see the tiny tip-tops of the buildings. So we're getting closer, right, Video? Ah, yes. All right. Okay. So, uh, suddenly, yes, that's this episode. Regarding the flashback that starts this episode, are people really eating at, at an off-off-Broadway play I know this is a comedy, I just found it, it is funny, but I found it very strange too, this idea that everyone is attending this very serious off-off Broadway play, but multiple people are eating as if they're at the movies. There is a woman in the audience who has a popcorn box, a classic red and white striped popcorn box, the bravery, the chutzpah. I wish I could take a fucking box of red and white striped popcorn into the theater. I should fucking do that, that'd be great. Ariana DeBose song, Imminent? Oh my God, I, I (laughs) when? When are we getting that song? These old people need some fucking lube for some fucking fucking Doc Lopez. What's up, Doc? This boner, that's what's up. Doc, Doc. Ariana DeBose song now, oh my God, yes. I was so excited when this song started. It's called With All of Your Heart. And it's more Mary Poppins than it is The Sound of Music. I feel like they are going for Mary Poppins, right? And I feel like that's actually just outside of this classic Oklahoma... Carousel era of musical theater. I feel like Mary Poppins is slightly more modern than that, but of course Mary Poppins was They were chasing the sound of music. Sure They were chasing that, but you know, you know what was also chasing the sound of music magic? A movie from 1973 called Lost Horizon and I love that movie. It's so boring. It's so bad, but I think I really do love it I need to own it I need to get the fucking Blu-ray that they burn. They burn it on a disc for you. I actually think it's just a DVD, but they burn it on demand. I think it's a Warner Brothers release. But there is a song in that movie that made me... uh, I I was reminded of this song while listening to With All of Your Heart, and that song is The World is a Circle, and that... (laughs) that song features the lyrics. The world is a circle without a beginning and nobody knows where it really ends. Everything depends on where you are in the circle that has no beginning. Every... (laughs) No, yeah, nobody knows where the circle ends. La, 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 la. Uh, How dare you go into la, la, la's after that string of awful lyricism. (laughs) That, those are the real lyrics. That is the real rhythm. It is one of the worst, funniest songs that has ever been put into a movie musical. Uh, look that up on YouTube if you can. When you can, do it. The children who are a part of, uh, uh, what is her name? Her character's name. I have that written down later. We'll get to that. Ariana DeBose's character, she has a class of children. They are so cool. They are so funny. They are, they are hams all these little tiny hams tapping their tootsies off and the tap skills are unimpeachable, it amazes me. That these kids are so good at this tap dancing and they're obviously all like what 10 years old if not younger they're amazing amazing kristen chenoweth wolfing down a rhubarb square inspired chris chris did not watch he did not watch the first two episodes but he joined me for the rest of the season and when he saw kristen chenoweth eating a rhubarb square he was inspired to shout because i'm hungry now if you're not familiar, if you don't remember me talking about this, Kristen Chenoweth, she did a Ritz Cracker campaign, I believe during the height of lockdown, because it was filmed, obviously, by, like, a personal assistant in her condo. And she's reaching for... <laughs> it's, like, reasons why you should eat Ritz Crackers. Because you're hungry now. And she, she runs into the room going, ah, Because I'm hungry now! And then it cuts to her trying to reach for the Ritz crackers, but she's too short. And, and she's going, eh, eh, eh. If you remember me talking about this, this is old news, but I hope that at least one of you is, is new to this. You gotta find it. I think you can only watch the video on Pinterest. <laughs> Insanely, I think that's where you can find it, Pinterest. Ah, because I'm hungry now. eh. eh. It's so fucking funny. Truly the peak of advertising in the COVID area. In the COVID era. (laughs) Kevin McNulty slips into the role of Madam. Oh, no, no, not Madam. Madman. Madman Farmer. He slips into that role like it was a glove. Ooh, the hair and the beard design. It's so puffy, so white. It's, It's really good, actually, because this character could read as so dark and problematic because... For the most part, most of the time this character is pointing a shotgun in Keegan-Michael Key's face. So we have this old white farmer pointing a gun at a black man and saying, I'm going to kill you if you don't marry my daughter. That could read so poorly, but he he brings a level, a surprising level of humanity and tenderness And you sort of understand that he's doing this completely out of a love for his daughter. There is a softness and a tenderness to the character, which normally would be played very grim, very stock, very two-dimensional. But Kevin McNulty is adding shades to the character. I really like that. Speaking of Josh, me thinks Josh... Needs to find the song in his heart if he's ever going to get out of this town. Prediction. uh, Josh may be singing in the final episode. I'm never going to sing. No, singing is for silly people. I think you're going to have to sing. Yep. More nerdy musical talk from Melissa, please. I host a podcast about musicals I could do with a lot more pandering to my trivia sensibilities. I just want her to geek out about the musicals that she knows and loves. Chris and I should look into doing the Egyptian Hucklebuck one night. Ooh, we learned about a sex move called the Egyptian, the Egyptian Hucklebuck. What is that? Is that real? Meow. Schmigadoon at Night. Ah, this is a big point for me. Schmigadoon at Night, I love it. It's beautiful, it looks relaxing as hell. Let's walk around at night. A walking tour of Schmigadoon at Night. A ghost tour would be fun. Yes, you know there are ghosts in that town, you know it. The songs hit so much harder when no one is interrupting with variations on, huh? Excuse me? What? Is that even a thing? Is that even a thing? Is that even a thing? Josh and Melissa are being drawn further into the reality of Schmigadoon, which means their skeptical commentary is no longer needed. They're buying into the authenticity of the world. The logic does nothing but track. I love it. I love that all of these jokes are wash. Oh, they're being washed away in favor of unironic earnestness. Episode 5 is known as Tribulation. Tribulation. I actually wrote down these notes in between episodes four and five. Here's an overnight thought for you that I wrote down. Anne Harada's song where she's talking about her husband, the mayor, that song is called He's a Queer One, That Man of Mine. And I feel like that should have been replaced by a song that is actually just about... Her character, Florence, and Florence's perspective on the world. I want to know more about Florence. I don't necessarily need her to just spend all of her screen time talking about the mayor. No, I say I want to hear more about her. There are ways, I want to say this, there are ways to convey Josh and Melissa are getting along beyond the utilization of heavily scripted faux casual banter. The real world does not feel real or authentic in the flashbacks. When we're in New York City, those real world flashbacks, that feels just as broad and artificial as anything the crazy musical world of Schmigadoon has to offer. We we can deliver tender and tough moments in those flashbacks. Uh, Josh and Melissa can experience those highs and lows without having to rely on quips. So many quips. Move away from the sitcom sketch vibe and embrace some subtlety, okay? I'm not talking about mumblecore. This doesn't need to be like a a fucking indie drama, but I don't know. I think that there is some middle ground that we could have achieved. Too much back and forth, too much ha-hoo-ha. Overnight thoughts continued. Okay, this is my final overnight thought for you. My current temperature on the show going into episode 5 is that it's easily the best version of the stuck-in-a-musical premise we have seen a hundred times before. But I would much rather watch an unironic musical comedy because the snarky Gen X thing has been done so many times. We need to drill down into these characters, or else the show will be nothing more than a surface level pleasure when all is said and done, when the final credits roll. A passing fancy, no thank you. What I say is stick to my ribs, stick to my ribs, TV show. That's what I say. Now, heading into my thoughts on episode five proper. Hey, remember when Keegan Michael Key played the bad guy in Jingle Jangle? A Christmas Journey? I do. Remember when he played Honest John in Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio? Hi diddlededee, the actor's life for me. I remember it. You can't tell me the doggy dog world, uh, speaking of banter, the doggy dog world argument that Josh and Melissa have. You cannot tell me that did not come from someone's old Second City sketch material. You dragged that out of a fucking Google Drive, a dusty, cobweb covered corner of Google Drive. That's where you got the doggy dog world conversation. That is graduating class stuff right there, and I'm sure that it would make a second. Such- City, Chicago audience giggle. Oh, till the cows came home. But man, by this point, I really was done with the back and forth. Cecily Strong has a lovely singing voice that deserves to be showcased on Broadway. Put her in a musical on Broadway, I say. Jane Krakowski has a passive aggressive alpha blonde who picks on brunettes? Huh? I've never, I've never seen such a thing on television. Do you think that she was scared to stretch herself in such a way? I've never played such a character. Hold on, the people of Schmigadoon know what New York City is? They're aware of New York City? Where is Schmigadoon supposed to be in terms of a state? What state is it in? (laughs) Regarding Emma and Carson, oh, that's Ariana. Yes, Ariana DeBose's character is Emma. Yes, the schoolteacher, Emma. Are we making, in regards to her relationship with Carson, are we making the Marion Winthrop subtext from the Music Man? Are we making that into text? Are we going to make that real? When they started hinting at that, oh, my hackles went up. I went, oh my goodness. This is very strange. Tribulation is an instant season one highlight. It's my favorite song from season one. How did it take us this long to give Kristen Chenoweth her own number? I want to sing now. (laughs) The camera work, the direction of the entire sequence, bravo Barry Sonnenfeld, that's what I say to you. Oh, there's a very good line that I want to showcase, okay? I'm not here to crap all over the, the scripted scenes, the book scenes, as you were. There is a moment where Cecily Strong says to Jane Krakowski, Alfred Hitchcock would turn down a custard pie to torture you. That's a very good line, and that is a very good joke. Episode 5 is turning out to be the best episode, and it's all thanks to JK, Jane Krakowski, and KC, Kristen Chenoweth. The Marion Winthrop subtext is yes, now, okay, it is now officially text. To be fair, my mother was in college when my Nana had her final child. My Uncle Danny was essentially Winthrop's age when my mom was in college. So, you know, these things do happen. <laughs> They do I don't know if I have those numbers exactly right, but very young little brother and someone who's like in her twenties. Yes, it happens all the time. Would I like to see the dream ballet Melissa so casually rejects? Of course, see. C is what I say. Yes, yes, yes. I wanna see a, a funny dream ballet. I feel like that actually is a huge missed opportunity. I feel like they wanted to do it, and they either didn't have the time or the budget, and so they just sort of they casually tossed it off, but Oh, what could have been Melissa? She says she is the bad guy. She says, maybe I'm the bad guy. You're not the bad guy. Josh is the bad guy. You've been trying, trying so hard to hold this together. Well, maybe I've been trying too hard. Oh, maybe I suppose the argument could be made, but you're not the bad guy. Josh tried to abandon you. Oh, oh, okay. So this episode just sort of stops. Okay, fair. <laughs> Fair. Episode six, how we change. Hey, video, look. That's down Yeah. <laughs> He's doing a little dance on his little hind legs. Ah, oh, oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, hoot, hoot. Goodness gracious, I think a gigantic papier mache owl just flew by my head. And now, oh, there are some papier mache deer and a papier mache bear. My goodness, I think we. I think we need to leave this forest. I think we need to go into the town. Because I think the animals are starting to hunger. Oh no! 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 (laughs) Okay, so, we're outside of the forest. Okay, the animals are not following us out of the forest and into this clearing area, but now we are walking toward Schmigadoon. I want to talk about episode six, which is known as How We Change. We've got a couple of real clunker jokes here in the camping flashback. Uh, We've got men refuse to read instructions. Uh, Honey, do you want to try reading the instructions? Huh? No. A man does not read instructions. What is this, I love you, you're perfect, now change? I mean, and then the other one is, Ikea-style instructions are impossible to follow. I mean, I guess, yes, I mean, I am begging, I'm begging the flashbacks to give me something of substance. No one is impressed by this Pop-Tart VHS stand-up comedy malarkey. Man, we're, we're smashing the 90s and the early 00s right up against each other. We've been making that Ikea joke for fucking three decades now, I feel like, enough. I am requesting a double feature of Airbud and Chinatown. This idea is proposed essentially in this episode by Josh and I, I would watch Airbud followed by Chinatown in an old movie house. I, I would I would pay money for that. Yeah, why not? Life is too short, take that opportunity. What do we get out of seeing Carson in his underwear? That's a that's a question that I think needs to be asked. Who saw the value in that? Oh, I don't want to wear anything that my sister gave me. Well, you're still wearing your underwear. Yeah, I know, but whatever. Okay, wh- that joke goes nowhere, and I, I'm, I don't feel comfortable seeing Carson in Long Johns. It's, there's no point to it. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't build to anything. It's strange, okay? Maybe just keep the kids in full outfits. Uh, that's what I recommend, yes. I would also recommend that you take me to the field where Melissa is is left. <laughs> Jane Krakowski's character pushes her out of a car and leaves her in the middle of this field. It's like a barley wheat field. I want to go there, too. I want to take a nap. Oh, in the middle of a wheat field? That seems easy. Ooh, easy nap. Oh, my goodness. All right, the characterizations in this episode, they do deepen to my satisfaction, Okay. Ring-a-ding-ding, hear ye, hear ye, congratulations. TV show, you have risen to meet my high standards. Thank you, I know, yes, we were all worried about that. Oh great, now Josh is going to break Emma Tate's heart. Grow up, Josh, Jesus Christ. He takes her all the way to that bridge with her son and then he says, nope, I can't do it, I love Melissa. You couldn't fucking figure that out when you found the rock in the forest. You had to keep plucking the strings of Emma Tate's beautiful heart. Yeah, big goddamn jerk. Cecily Strong she knocks the hell out of her monologue, her tearful emotional monologue delivered to Josh who does not deserve it. But oh, oh, Ernest. Ernest is better. Ernest is better. Josh's song, ah, you make me want to sing. That's what it's called. It reminds me of the musical improv I did for Second City so much musical improv in that it is a it's a it's a clunky song, but it's appropriately clunky because Josh has never done this before. Josh found the song in his heart. I dare say it's having a hard time getting out of his heart and you know shooting through shooting through that mouth of his, but. He's, he's getting it done. Here is a pitch. Florence should have also been gay. Give Florence something to do that doesn't... That is not a reaction to her husband. Say, why did Florence vanish for an entire episode? Do you have no idea who you have at your disposal? This is Anne Hirata. I mean, I know I said that uh, not Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Thank God he's not in this. No, Fred Armisen, he doesn't have a lot to do in season one. But he has, I mean... I mean, it's a one-man show compared to what Ann Harada has in, in season one. We need to give Anne a lot more to do in... Chicago, Okay. Hey, 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 I love this. I love how the show's music style, the musical style, evolves from Oklahoma, Rogers, and Hammerstein into mid-era Sunday in the Park with George Sondheim, right as the characters, right when the characters are beginning to embrace the idea of evolution, of change, of changing their ways. Very clever. I, I liked that a lot. I choked up. I choked up slightly. I, I've, I've come to care for these characters, and it really worked on me, that finale. My question as we go into Season 2, I have several. Will Season 2 deal with a problem within Schmigadoon, or will it still be about Josh and Melissa and their romantic issues? The trailer for Season 2, which I have seen, it indicates the latter, that we're still going to be dealing with romance stuff between these two people. Boring. No, no, no. Watching Josh at... No, no, no. (laughs) Video turned around when when he heard me say that. He thought I was talking to him. I'm not talking about you, video. Don't you worry. I say yes, yes, yes to you. But I say no, no, no to more boring Josh and Melissa stuff. We are beyond that. We've solved the problem of their relationship, okay? So we need a new problem. And I am very confused as to what's going on in the reality of Schmigadoon because Josh and Melissa seem confused, obviously, that the town has changed. It's become darker and seedier. Are the people of Schmigadoon the same people we met in season one or do they have new names, new identities? Will Josh and Melissa see these people as the people they know or will they see them as, uh, as entirely new people? It bums me out to think the characters I came to care for in Season 1 may be irrelevant in Season 2. Schmigadoon saved Josh and Melissa's relationship in Season 1, and in Season 2, I think they should be responsible for saving Schmigadoon. This once-happy town has been corrupted, but but by whom or what? It is a mystery that must be solved. Again, no one wants to watch Josh and Melissa snipe at each other. Now show them getting along while striving to help their friends. I want them solving a mystery. Ernest is better. Getting along is better. Believe me, you can find comedy outside of very basic stock. I love you. You're perfect. Now change heterosexual conflict. Video, we're here. We're in Schmigadoon. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hello. Okay, well, unfortunately, ah, we have come to the end of my thoughts, which means it's time to go back. Is that okay? Is that, oh, okay. well, hold on. Video is, he's running into the ice cream shop. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh. So that's why you wanted to come to Schmigadoon, huh? You wanted two, oh, two root beer floats. One for me, one for you. Okay, all right. You're going to drink yours all the way up in my head. All right, you got your remote control with you? Uh, I hope we don't spill our root beer floats. Okay, well, whenever you're ready to go back, hit that big, beautiful red button on your magical remote once at four. I didn't count to three, but that's okay! Okay. <laughs> hey, video! We're back! Yeah! You, you ate? You had your... You consumed your entire root beer float? Oh my goodness. Whew. I don't know. My tummy's kind of swirling about. We, you want to start on mine? Here, you can have some of mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I just noticed something. You have a little hat on your head. That's not your hiking hat. That's a Schmigadoon hat. Did you get another souvenir? That's a very nice straw hat with a very... Is that silk? Ooh, that's a very... Can I see that hat? Ah, it gets bigger in my hand. It it fits on my head because when I picked it up, it it became big enough for me. But then when I start to put it on your head, it becomes small. Hey, it's a magical hat. Well, okay, there you go, Video. Thank you so much for joining me as my co-host and my partner today. I'm very excited to do 11 more episodes of TV VIP with you. Yes, uh, I, I have a I have a feeling that I have a feeling that little Video is going to be grabbing souvenirs from every TV show world that we visit videos giving me a look like oh, maybe I'll never tell I'll never tell now I I I will as I said I will do my best to keep tabs keep up with season 2 of Schmigadoon and relay my thoughts to you yes and I I should say that if you forgot the subject of episode 2 of TV VIP which is dropping April 12th okay Wednesday April 12th do you remember what it's all about It's all about Central Park, okay? I thought the next episode was going to be about Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies, but that is not actually... They will not start releasing episodes for that until April 6th, and the turnaround would have been way too tight. Way too tight. So we moved things around, and the next episode is all about Central Park, okay? We'll see you then. Thank you so much for donating at least $3 a month. TV VIP, episode two, coming April 12th. Wave goodbye video, they can't see us, but all you need to know is that he's waving goodbye. Bye. This is our school, this is where we start to prepare our young for the future.